Hi, everyone. Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. December 7th is National Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day in honor of the World War II attack on Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. On this day in 1941, 2,403 service members and civilians were killed during a Japanese attack on the area. Tom Foreman is 101 years old and is a retired U.S. Navy service member who lives in Escondido. Foreman was stationed at Pearl Harbor at the time of the attack. He was out to sea on a ship and returned to witness the devastation. Later, he was awarded a Purple Heart for his role in the Battle of Guadalcanal. Deputy Opinion Editor Laura Castaneda caught up with Tom Foreman. He recalled his time in the military, his reaction to the Pearl Harbor attack, and more. Here's their conversation. And first of all, I just want to tell you what an honor it is to be able to speak with you. Hun- <laughs> oh, yeah, it is absolutely an honor. You know, you, you are a walking history book. You have so much to share. So tell me, at the time that you were stationed in Pearl Harbor on the USS Cushing, how long had you been in the Navy when you went to Pearl Harbor? Oh, right after boot, you know, they had boot camp here in San Diego then, and you had to go to boot camp for, I think it was 90 days, and then uh, when they found out where I wanted to go, they put me on a tanker, and we went out to Pearl Harbor about a month later, and and, uh, so it was in 19... Late 1939, I went on the first ship. Mm-hmm. First ship with my brother. And that was that was at a time when siblings could actually be on the same ship together, right? That's no longer. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they didn't. You know, the peacetime navy was. It was. I really liked it. I was, but uh, they didn't have all the rules about. But when the five Solomon brothers got killed their mother had them pass a law that they couldn't be on the same ship <laughs> and what was that like being on the ship with your brother was that a good thing for you did you did you feel oh like- yeah he was he was a signalman then signalman's work with the quartermasters and he was up on the bridge and I was a seaman of course and so the seaman would run on errands and things for the officer of the deck and he'd be the signalman on watch. We'd sand watches together and and I got acquainted with all the fellows in his group and uh had a lot of good friends on there. It was I and I really liked that ship. And you what was your job? What what was your day to day job? Well it just happened that when I was in high school, I took typing, and so they were on the ship, and they were looking for what they call a yeoman that could type. <laughs> and so they asked me if I'd work in the office. So they have an office on the ship that takes care of all the records of the people that come and go. So I, uh, you know, volunteered for it, and... Uh, I was a striker for quite a while. You know, that's what they call it when you're trying to make the rating. And when I made the rating, I was assigned to the Cushing to be a, 
a yeoman for the district for the uh, the officer in charge of the squadron. I used to go with him to make inspections, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it, it was basically office work that I did. When uh, uh, everybody went to general quarters, you had a battle station. So I had a battle station way up on top of the bridge. But uh, it, uh, during the day, I just worked in an office and did did a lot of records and stuff like that. So I was, I was called a yeoman second class petty officer. And at the time that the attack happened, it was early morning. Where exactly were you, and what do you remember from those moments? Uh, we'd gone out to sea with the Enterprise. So I was out to sea. We were standing in our regular watches. Then we came back in, and that's when we got involved with all the action. You know, when you come into Pearl Harbor, you come down a channel, kind of like a river, and there's all up with what they call the special CD challenge, talking and laughing. Pretty soon we saw the Nevada, Nevada, which was a battleship, was run up on the beach. And I thought, look at that there. So it got real quiet. And then we went on in, and then we saw the Oklahoma. It was upside down in the channel. This one screw sticking out of the water. And there's guys trapped inside of it. And every place had oil all over the the whole harbor. I bet it had six inches of oil all over the surface. And, uh, Oh, Hickam Field, which is right next door to the uh, Pearl Harbor. That's where all the planes were. And they had them all lined up there and rolling. So every one of them got destroyed when they kept dropping bombs. But uh, it was, uh, I think, really, if they'd have brought troops with them, they could have invaded and taken it because we weren't prepared at all for war. So you were kind of, to say, in the right place at the right time because you weren't right there where the actual bombs were going off, but you walked no, into yeah, it. Yeah, like I said, the ship that was tied up where we had been, it was right by the Arizona. You know, the Arizona's the monument now. It's sinking, it's sunken there. They didn't raise it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, that destroyer was tied up next to it, and it was totally destroyed. Luckily, we had left, and they took our... It was lucky for us, I'll say, they took our place. And what did you all do? Did you start trying to help with rescue efforts for the for those that had been injured? What 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 was your role? Well, I read the first part of the war, so we weren't prepared. So all we did the first few months, we had convoy uh, task force of supplies coming out from San Francisco. We'd go to Pearl Harbor. We'd go to Long Beach and then back to San Francisco. We were bringing troops and supplies and everything so they could be distributed on and out to the more where the mm-hmm. action was, but... It was, uh, convoy duty lasted for 
well, maybe more than six months. We just wasn't ready. The first couple of years of the war, we actually were, I thought, we were getting beat because they took every island and ever never defeated on any island until they hit Guadalcanal. That's when we were able to turn them around. But that was a whole year later. A lot of time has passed by, but I'm sure that there's still plenty of images in your mind that you remember from that morning, um, seeing what you saw, the destruction, the injuries. Oh, yeah. I was the same when we come into Channel, we saw the Nevada run up on the beach. It was the only battleship, you know, really were the old battleships. There was eight battleships. They all got sunk, but it was so shallow. They would sit on the bottom and the superstructure would still stick on. So what they did, they built a waterproof fence around them, pumped the water out, patched the holes in them, then they floated them over to the dry dock and got them in good enough shape to take back to the States to get repaired. They repaired all of them except uh, Oklahoma and the Texas, I think. It sounds like you've kept up over the years with a lot of the history and the ships and what has occurred. Have you been involved with any veterans groups locally or otherwise to stay in touch with some of the fellas? No, you know, it's funny. You get on a ship, you have good buddies and everything, and then you get transferred and you never see them again. You know, I know it's on Guadalcanal, uh, a lot of guys that couldn't swim very good. I was I was on the swimming team in high school, so uh, I didn't swallow a lot of water, uh, oil. This good friend of mine who was a ship's cook on the Cushing. He he didn't have a mark on him, but he said he couldn't breathe. He was you know the oil had gotten his lungs, so I managed to get a little canister of oxygen and gave him that and then then during the night it ran out and I tried to get more and of course I didn't have hardly any supplies there so anyway he passed away before the morning came but you know it just you get good friends and you lose good friends but it's I never I don't know of any shipmate that's still alive that I could contact. Well, you did go in 2019 back to Pearl Harbor. Uh, you took a tour there with some with a local organization here in San Diego. Did you not? The Best Defense Foundation? Yeah, Best Defense. Yeah, Donna Edwards, is him and his wife, uh, they arranged it for me to go. And Donnie went out with us. And there were just five of us, and uh, we went to Pearl Harbor. And even though I'd been my home port and seen a lot of it, they took us around to places I'd never even seen before. You know, up to the Punch Bowl and Cocoa Head and Diamond Head and all those different places that you see them from a distance, but you don't get to see them up close. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it was. It was a good trip, and I always thought I don't want to come back here. But I went back, and I 
described it. Why did you say that, that you thought you didn't want to go back there just because of the memories? Well, it gets, get, it gets boring. Uh, you go in, and the whole town, they're just loaded with Navy and Marines and Army. There's nothing to do. And uh, I did get a motorcycle and some other guys, and we used to ride around. But it, it, uh, it's only 60 miles to ride around that Oahu. And after so long, you get so tired of it, I wouldn't even go ashore hardly when we'd go in. But uh, it, uh, it, they, they made the trip interesting when I went out a couple years ago, a few years ago. Was it emotional to go back? Well, yeah, it, it was. Uh, you know, I used to be alongside the Arizona a lot. That was when we tied up by and this monument's built right on it. They took us out of the monument. When the tide goes out, part of the Arizona sticks up out of the water. And, you know, it makes you think about all that stuff. Well, you know, the, you are a walking history book. Have you ever visited any schools to talk to school children about Pearl Harbor or about being in the Navy? Uh, well, what they did, they made up a lot of postcards, like that one I read to you. And we would go out to schools, and all the little kids would be lined up, and they'd all have little flags, and they'd push us by in wheelchairs. And the little girls, would, they'd come out, and they'd want to give you a hug. And the little boys would come out, and they'd shake hands. <laughs> Oh. It was pretty cute. And what about your own grandchildren and great-grandchildren? Have you sat them down and given them a real-life history about the war and about what you saw? No, not, not really. We've talked about things, but uh, we just, uh, you know, they, they, to them, that's just history, you know, and, Mm-hmm. But uh, they all know what I did or was and all that. But uh, I haven't talked about it in years. Lately, it's shown up more than it has in, <laughs> even right after the war. Yeah, there seems to be more interest, obviously, with the anniversary every year. Um mm-hmm. How do you think, you know, we're a military town here in San Diego. Um how do you feel about the the way history is passed on to students in the schools and just in America? Well, I thought, well, one thing I thought was kind of dumb. Here we had a real nice training station. We've been there for over 60 years. It's near the ocean. They could do all the rowboats and all that stuff you do. And they closed it up and made it a headquarters back in the Midwest, in Chicago, I think it is. I thought that was kind of dumb. That was after the war. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they, now where the old training station used to be, it's all apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it was so obvious that was the natural place for it to be. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Foreman, how do you want 
Pearl Harbor survivors to be remembered? What What's missing from this equation? What What are we not doing as a country that we should be doing? Well, you know, it's funny. I was going to, when we was out there, all we did was go to one meeting after another. You know, out in Pearl Harbor, they view that as their Veterans Day. That's their biggest military celebration of the whole year. It's much more than here. And uh, and they, uh, they really remember it, I'll tell you. And it's kind of a shame that we don't. We don't seem to do enough. Well, you know, and it's not right. When you make direct contact with somebody, you remember it better. And what about just vets, you know, veterans? How how do you want veterans to be remembered, especially those that didn't make it? Well, I, I don't know. You, you just don't hear what happens later. I imagine he was buried on Guadalcanal and, and all, but uh, they don't. You know, so many were getting killed at that time. It didn't individuals didn't stand out too much unless there was something unusual. But uh, yeah, he had a lot of good friends and all that. I don't mean he didn't, but uh, it, it was so many deaths that they didn't make a big thing out of it. What do you think we should be doing as a country to honor our vets? And our survivors. Well, and our survivors. <laughs> the vets are just about all gone in World War Two, but uh, and that was the only war that we really decided and finished up. You know, Korean War was very unsatisfactory ending, I thought, and Vietnam was kind of a disaster. But uh, of course, they fought hard and did, but they. I think too many politicians got involved with them. But uh, World War Two is is going to be like the Civil War was when I was growing up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, is there anything else that you want people to know or you want to add that I didn't, I didn't ask you? No, I, I can't think of anything that... Uh, you know, there, a lot of stuff happened to me after that. It was just in the first two of the years of the war. I went to New Guinea and was the PT boats, you know, for a year and a half after I got out of the hospital. That uh, this is the main thing that happened where I got hurt and where I lost a lot of friends. And, and, and later on, we used to get bombed a lot and shot at a lot, but we didn't tear I didn't ever get hit or wounded or nothing. You're referencing but, uh, the battle at Santa Cruz. That's the one you're talking about, right? Well, the battle at Santa Cruz was even before we got sunk. That was when I was on our way out, and uh, we were headed out with the Hornet and the Enterprise. We went into a task force. And all our planes went up to hit their task force, and all their planes come down to hit ours. That's like a hundred planes. Well, when they come back, the Hornet was sunk, and the Enterprise flight deck was so 
full of holes they couldn't land down it. So all hundred of those planes had to crash land into the water. And we went around and with a long with a lot of other ships. I think we picked up twenty some crews, you know, out of their planes. But uh that was, we did sink one of their carriers, but they sunk the Hornet that time. A lot of memories, a lot of history there. Yeah, the Hornet was one of the newer ones. The Enterprise was an older one, but uh, they hit the Hornet first. It was in a task force, and, and and I guess they saw them first. And they'd fly right over us as, as a, you know, just a destroyer. They didn't want to hit us. They wanted to hit the carriers. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Foreman, I thank you so much for sharing this information with San Diego, with the community, and um, it's, you're an incredible person. You you have your health, and you have a great mind, and you're still able to remember so many details, and it really is a pleasure to be able to connect with you. So thank you so much for sharing all of this information. Well, I've been very fortunate to... I have good health. I'm mean, until this recently. Now I've got trouble with my legs. I'm retaining liquid in my legs, and it's very painful. But uh, they've been giving me uh, medicine for it, and it's, I've been getting a little better. But, uh, you know, I'm getting toward the end of the line anyway, so I'm just waiting to see what happens. Thank you so much for your service, Mr. Foreman. I think I say that for San Diego. Thank you. That was nice talking to you.